0: Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show. This week, and a a Merry Christmas to you of course, is the year in review and what a year 2023 has been. There have been some incredible tumultuous events and in spite of those events, a market that's been a runaway train. This uh, particular podcast is gonna run through some of the key events as we've seen them and more importantly, give you a bit of an idea of where we see things going next year. So as always, take plenty of notes, and most importantly, make sure you take plenty of action. hey guys welcome to this week's money and investing show with me your host Andrew Baxter and as always my offsider and co-host Mitchell Laurential Merry Christmas Mr. B looking a little bit more tan than normal great to see you Merry Christmas
1: bit of time outside on the farm and doing all the healthy things absolutely that's right good stuff well look here we are for I believe our fourth or fifth year in review 2023 yeah. we're going to recap all of the major political and economic events and gee whiz, there
0: is a lot of them. So let's have some fun with this today. Let's make this fairly lighthearted, but let's get stuck in. I love doing this one because it's amazing the stuff that actually does go on through the year that you kind of slips your mind because it's just trumped, if you will, no pun intended, uh, by the next thing that comes along. And what was massive is then in, so far in the rearview mirror that you've kind of forgotten about it. And, and, and all of this and what an uncertain year it's been, no question about that. And yet we've still seen the NASDAQ, at the time of recording, at least up over 40% for I know, the year. Crazy. Bad economic numbers, or sorry, bad economic news, or uncertainty, not normally great for markets. That NASDAQ's put on that meteoric gain, which is a real bellringer.
1: ringer. That's right. NVIDIA, for example, stock in that 220% best performing stock. Uh, chats of AI and rumours of AI could improve business efficiency has been a major headline
0: for markets yeah. this year. Maybe that's us artificial intelligence. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, I think so, Chat.
0: <laughs> GPT, yes please. Yeah, why not? Why we not can write a so, script for this podcast? Oh, it could be useful. It might be something to think about going into the new year, but here we are looking at the year in review. So what do we kick off with? Well, I say meteoric rise in markets, but what do you got for me? Okay, well, okay, let's talk about interest rates. Uh, that's across both Australia and the US. Well, let's start
1: here in Australia. So interest rates have gone up, a lot of pain on the consumer's behalf, anyone on a variable rate paying their mortgage has suffered. And they've also had a change in the RBA governor as
0: well. Yeah. So yeah, Dr. Philip Lowe, the uh, governor of the RBA, and uh, look, many people will go back and remember the promise there will be no interest rates until 2024 and yet we've been plagued by them for the last 15-16 months now. Um, very good example of poor communication of expectations to markets and the reason I've been such an emphatic critic uh, of uh, Dr. Philip Lowe is that I think so many people out there, everyday people, based a lot of their financial decision making on an assurance that he now claims, oh, that was a misunderstanding that wasn't said. In fact, that's actually the excuse of the year. I'll get onto another example of that in a few minutes' time. Um, that, that I know I said that, but that's not actually what I said. Nothing to see here kind of thing. Uh, and I really do feel for people that borrowed on the back of that um, promise of, or, or representation at least that there was going to be no rate rise because that's all we've really seen and I suspect we're not done yet. And so his, his tenure at the RBA finished, he's now been replaced, new broom. Uh, and once again, we've got someone that just shows an absolute lack of any kind of credibility when it comes to communicating with the wider audience. And I guess as a central banker, I've never been one, um, and I doubtless say I ever will, doesn't pay enough. The reality is that one of your roles, yes, you've got to talk to other people that are at the level that you play at. You know, the ministers of finance, treasury, different people around the world and so on. But you have to have that ability not only to communicate with people at that level of the market, but also with everyday folks so that they've got an ability to feel clear on where the direction of the economy might be going based on interest rates particularly. So our current governor um, two months into the role uh, and a career RBA employee, which in itself is a problem. You've got to have people, I believe, that have got real world experience uh, out there that have actually done something rather than just simply being a civil servant. Uh, and worked in the public sector, is that inflation is due to people getting haircuts and going to the doctor or dentist. And it's like, come on, on the back of what we've seen this year and the pain that's going on out there. And we've seen that firsthand. you know, we've been on the road a lot this year, particularly to regional Australia. And I've met some incredible people, I had some very emotional conversations with people too that are busting their back to try and keep the train on the tracks. And that's what you get from the central banker that oh, it's because of haircuts and it's domestically related inflation. And it's just painful to hear that disconnect. It's so important to be able to connect and be able to communicate effectively with people and understand that, yes, we've got inflation, what do we do to deal with it? And we've talked of this many times that inflate interest rates on their own are probably not the only tool that should be at the disposal. If it's coming from this wealth surge, it's coming property, an adjustment to LVR rates, for example, would take an orderly heat out of that market and the swash things a little bit, change the wealth effect a little bit and ease off on inflation. But yeah, it's been um, a replacement of one uh, with another in terms of two muppets.
1: That's right. Other side of the coin, you've got the US, which Federal Chairman Jerome Powell, credit to him, I think he's done an amazing job in 2023. Well, of, yeah, there
0: you have it. I mean, if, if you want a day and night, um, the they, they have done a terrific job of, of managing US interest rates. Sorry, I cut you off. I couldn't wait to hop in and sing the virtues of someone that can actually communicate.
1: Yeah, he's done a great job. He's
0: telegraphed everything. All of
1: his moves have been telegraphed in advance, and he's done exactly what he said he would do, which was bring down inflation
0: without a recession, which mm. it doesn't look like the US is going to go in. It's it's a lofty claim to come out and say, we are going to tackle inflation and we'll do so without giving ourselves a recession or crippling the economy. And they have played it like a piano thread the needle, whichever analogy you want to use. And a lot of that, I do believe, comes down to Jerome Powell's incredible ability to communicate with markets, to let them know what the intentions are so that um, there's no room for speculative games and overshooting. It's a very, very clear message. In fact, really, it was only the last meeting where he's been slightly less sure of himself where you could sort of sense that sort of, look, yeah, we, we need to see more data before we make a decision. But again, they've been very, very transparent on where they're at. And so, you know, if you're looking at an A plus in one column and a D minus in the other, it's as stark as that in terms of the role of, uh, you know, central bank governors in in stewarding their economies. And we didn't have to be in this position. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of the voting public uh, and, and, and and people out there Consuming this information today have fallen victim to you know, some very very average performance on the part of uh, some of us uh, uh, yeah, Public sector employees Speaking of average
1: performance because we've got a lot to get through here today AB for 2023 So you want me to speed it up a bit? Oh, this yeah. really well, we've got so many headlines to cover off. What about Harry's book? What are your thoughts on that average? Well, it's called Spare Us I think. Oh, no, no. I haven't
0: read it. I'm, I have uh, no intention of reading it. I'm a royalist. It goes against the ground of everything I stand <laughs> for and I think um, I mentioned earlier about uh, you know Philip Lowe going oh no that's not what I said I didn't mean it that way and I think Harry and Megan's pathetic interview with uh, Oprah was very much like that they said one thing in that interview and then you know two years later come out and say oh no no that was the media that said that we never did yet yeah, you could watch the two videos side by side next point oxygen stealers next point please can <laughs> oh, we had a mate Scobie to that too new book yeah Gotcha. oxygen stealer next next okay. <laughs>
1: Well, speaking of something which is which is not not a good thing in the slightest, and that is the war that we've seen in Ukraine mm. continue on to twenty twenty three, and also the war in the Middle East,
0: which has unfortunately broken out the last few months of last year. Yeah, look, it, the war in Ukraine, as you say, moving into its its third year now, and again, it's unthinkable that. Many, think, many, many people thought that would have been over and done with within a few days. We're several years in, uh, and, and the suffering at a population level, is, as always with war, um, you know, is pretty, pretty, pretty unpleasant to, to see. Although from a media coverage perspective, it's kind of drifted into the background uh, with more current events, and as we say, you have a, an enormous event in markets, uh, and yet it seems like nothing three or six months later uh, because there's a new story that's got more sauce and more sizzle that people want to consume. And that's very much been the case, uh, you know, with the conflict uh, between Israel uh, and Hamas in the Middle East. And, you know, again, the people suffering ultimately uh, are civilians on both sides, um, which is very, very sad. I think in the case of the war in the Ukraine, yeah, that probably has had a bigger impact on economics and, and and commodities in particular, given grain exports from the Ukraine, uh, sanctions on Russia and, and, and things of that nature. I guess it also has called into question, you know, a little bit around the future of the US dollar in terms of being the global reserve currency given the economic sanctions the US imposed. Looking at what you know what's going on in the Middle East, the initial knee-jerk reaction from markets was, like, this is serious, which it obviously is, and and, and there's no question about that. Um, And markets responded with a bit of a sell-off, but subsequently that's been put in the rear-view mirror too, where the impact thus far on trade, uh, particularly oil exports and things of that nature, uh, has not yet materialised, and let's hope it doesn't. And let's hope it's a conflict that can, like all conflicts, resolve itself as quickly as possible with minimal future damage. Speaking of something that was fairly quick and and
1: over very shortly was the pop in in Bitcoin. Big Mm -hmm. spike up, somewhat of a recovery,
0: but fairly Mm -hmm. short-lived. Yeah, look, I, I think um, you know, crypto certainly hasn't gone away. It's been an incredibly volatile instrument. Uh, go back to you know the the proviso, and, and, and I guess part of the marketing drive behind behind crypto is is you know it's a diversified asset and it's an inflation hedge, uh, and and you can transact in it. We can't really transact; it's too volatile, um, and it correlates very very highly. To, to the equity market in the US, whether that be the Dow Jones or the S&P 500 in particular. So we've seen a rally in those markets, and lo and behold, we've also seen a rally in crypto. Uh, where I see the future for crypto, I know we're talking about the rearview mirror, is, is that legitimization of it as it becomes regulated. Um and 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 if we see it become asset back, gold back, for example, pegged rather what like the US dollar used to be, Bretton Woods. Um, yeah, there's enormous potential there for what that could be going forward, but the regulation is extremely important when you look at the sort of scandal around you know, FTX and, and things like that, which are, you know, it's not a one-off. There have been other scandals and disasters like that where people are out of pocket, billions. So it doesn't need regulating. The key thing, blockchain certainly has the technology behind it. Uh, it's going from strength to strength in terms of mainstream usage. That's
1: right. Including probably. in AI. So Yeah, got you. Hopefully some government regulation to to intervene there and make it more regulated, which speaking of which we talk of governments coming back to politics for a moment's time here. Mm. Uh, we could talk about U.S. politics. Sleepy Joe, uh, stewarding the country. We've got Trump's legal woes. We've got the start of a U.S. presidential cycle as
0: well. So a lot going on politically speaking in the U.S. Massively so. Uh, and unfortunately, I guess identity politics have, are, are, are still at the fore, which you know I think this U.S. election campaign is going to be increasingly about, which is which is a real sad indictment on everything. Um, but yeah, we've got an incumbent government in the U.S. which which is doing an incredibly poor job on many metrics in terms of you know, national security, border protection, crime, drugs, uh, and at the overall standard of living for Americans, which continues to go backward in spite of the press conferences at the White House trying to protest otherwise, um, you know, economic policies like the Inflation Reduction Act to reduce inflation by, um, let's let some of our strategic reserves of oil out the door at $50 a barrel to get inflation down. On the other side of the coin, of course, you've got OPEC going. Okay, well, we'll just cut production a couple of million barrels a day. We'll see who wins that game. Uh, and, and now the US is in a situation where to replenish its oil is going to cost it seventy or eighty dollars a barrel, rather than the forty or fifty they were hoping for. Um, you remember, we're from the government. We're here to help. Is that terrifying phrase? I think coined by Ronald Reagan back in the uh, in the eighties. So you know, the, the current uh, government in the US certainly hasn't covered itself in glory. On the other side of the coin, at this point in time at least, it looks like the the challenger former President Trump, um, who continues to garner incredible support and, and whose legal woes he seems to be using as a tremendous springboard uh, to keep his popularity higher than ever. And it'll be very, very interesting to see how this election cycle goes. I'd recommend getting a large bucket of popcorn and watching it from the sidelines. The, probably one of the things that concerns me more than anything is the the risk of some form of interference in the election. I don't mean in terms of vote counts and things like that. Um, and that's you know the potential for an assassination attempt on either um, you know the challenger or, or um, you know, I think Robert Kennedy Jr. has been running and thus far has been polling quite well on the Democrat side as, as a credible challenger for for, for Biden. And um, you know his family history, very sadly, of course, is is, is um, full of uh, anguish and and uh, and an assassination track record with his uncle and both his father, and let's hope it doesn't come to that. That would be a very sad indictment of what's going on there. But I do believe um, you know, we're in for a government change in the US. I think the, the Democrats are a one-term government this time around and, and with the right person sitting on the other side, uh, I think there's an opportunity for the US to get itself back on track. Uh, it's not going down a particularly good path in my opinion, and, and not just my opinion, but from the economic numbers. Uh, and quality of life numbers, whether that be crime rates or standard of living, they're, they're, they're all moving in the wrong direction. So something needs to change. Indeed.
1: Bit of a change of pace. Uh, let's come back to our local market mm. here. We'll chop and change between U.S. i see, what about the Qantas
0: debacle of 2023? <laughs> I know this will rile you up a little bit. Mm. Yeah, on it goes. And I mean, we covered this, you know, we had a real deep dive on Qantas earlier in the year. And I guess the ability to destroy your brand Um, which I guess Disney's on a pathway not dissimilar to this right now um, with some of the actions it's taking on a corporate level um, to to damage its branding and trust is is a huge one. Uh, And certainly Alan Joyce uh, has done a a good one-man show of uh, of doing that. And even in response to him stepping down, you know, and look, I was on record in our last podcast uh, that we did on Qantas of talking about Richard Goider as arguably one of the better business leaders we've had over the last few years. And yet, in this particular uh, set of circumstances, he's been shown one thing, which is why he's stepping down. And I guess, as a chairman of a company, he he, he didn't really have uh, a, enough leash on on the board of directors and some of the corporate decision making that was going on there, which uh, you know is not a, a great end. Well, it's not an end, but not a great part of a very, very illustrious business career. And I was really surprised just to see how out of his depth he appeared to be, particularly at the Senate inquiry uh, with some of the things there. But yeah, Qantas disaster zone. Uh, I've spent a fair bit of time with Qantas this year, and again, I can't speak highly enough of their front-end staff, whether it's at the check-in side of things or whether it's air crew, um, you know, they, they, they're there to do the best they can, but they've been let down badly uh, at the corporate end. Absolutely. As have the shareholders whose
1: returns have been woeful. That's right. I think the stock price was up near the sixes at one stage, and I
0: think it got down nearly to 450 or something like yeah, that. around the sixes when uh, the CEO cashed out of his shares. That's right. Yeah. Smart decision by him. Very smart decision. Fortunate. <laughs> yes, indeed.
1: Very fortunate. I uh, Change of page now again, AB. So we come back to the US, and you mentioned the word Senate there, so it prompted my memory when we spoke of the US Senator mm. Kevin McCarthy, and also the debt ceiling, I guess, is a good conversation mm. to have there. Just talk, talk us through what happened. So,
0: yeah, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, briefly. The, the, the Speaker of the House is a huge position in the US. It's actually the third most powerful uh, position in government. So really? it's President, Vice President, Speaker of the House in wow. that order. Okay. So at the moment, it's Biden uh, and then Camilla Harris uh, and then McCarthy. And to get into position as being Speaker, I think they had a record 15 ballots to just about scrape over the line. And in doing so, I think it reflects just how fractured, the, the, in this case, the Republican Party are in terms of support. You've obviously got more right wing, more middle of the road. And, and the deals that, that have had to have been done in order to secure the position of, uh, of, of Speaker it came to the fore, I guess, with the debt ceiling conversation, where you had, you know, the the Republican Speaker siding with Democrats on certain issues to keep things, uh, and and yeah, that's just a bizarre set of circumstances, which at its very core reflects how fractured things really are, uh, and that's that's not a good sign if the U.S. wants to propel itself out. There's a requirement. You're never always going to be unified, but I think in life. You can be on the extremes and be marginalized, but most people, based on a normal distribution, sit somewhere in the middle. You've got to be able to come together on a few things in the middle that you do agree on. Uh, and, and it's going to be a very difficult time for the US to structurally reform itself. Uh, and what I mean by that, you know, there's been an enormous reliance on exporting, manufacturing in particular to other countries around the world and relying on that offshoring and cheaper products and so on and so forth. You know, Transportation issues uh, and a pandemic uh, really reflected Uh, the pain that comes alongside that, that you can't get stuff that you want for your business because the factory's closed or there's a boat jammed in the Suez Canal or whatever it might be. So the US is embarking, as a lot of companies are globally now, on nearshoring where they bring things to maybe more sympathetic countries that they don't have trade issues with. Um, or geographically, in the case of the US with Mexico, where you've got an ability to put stuff on a truck and drive it through, uh, well, at the moment, there is no border, Um, but you know what I mean? You can just drive your stuff in under the North American Free Trade Agreement. Um, And so that removes an awful lot of friction. The US has to rekindle its economy across the board and, and, and stop exporting um, jobs and exporting debt, it has to start to rekindle itself and that will require a level of unity uh, in the Senate and in Congress to do that. And, and there's not a lot of sign at the moment of that. Perhaps a really decisive election victory uh, in 11 months' time might be the thing that really galvanises that, but I think there's going to be a lot of hatred and a lot of deals needing to be done and, and a lot of placating required in order to get even close to that.
1: That's right. Another country which kind of stands out to me as having, you know, a number of challenges, at least economically, would be China. Mm. I mean, we had a bit of
0: a pop and then a flop, but still some preceding issues that we see there. Massively, so much, and I think, you know, w- when we saw China lockdown um, during uh, its COVID uh, policy, where literally you had, you know, tens of millions of people in lockdown for a prolonged period of time. The expectation from us and everyone else included uh, that follow markets were, well, when these guys are out, let out, um, you know, there's going to be a spending bonanza uh, as people get out and about and enjoy having a level of liberty again. And that didn't happen. People are saving pretty hard over there. And I think part of the reason for that, you know, China's beset with its own debt spiral, uh, in that, you know, there's an enormous amount of debt that's been racked up on the back of a construction boom that. Yeah, you've got a lot of ghost cities and empty thing, uh, empty buildings uh, that, in theory, should be going up in value. But when they're not going up in value, represent a real challenge. So you've got this huge debt spiral uh, in China right now. You've got demographic challenges, too, in terms of population growth. Uh, and those two things uh, together are, are never a good combination. And yeah, we compared earlier in the year with one of our podcasts, uh, the likes of China and Japan, and it's not a dissimilar set of circumstances that we saw uh, in Japan, which was 1989 when it peaked out. Uh, the difference is interest rates were higher in Japan. That's probably the major difference, uh, and uh, and that's about it. So, you know, you'd be interested to see where 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 China goes uh, to get itself out of the economic quagmire that it's in, and I think, you know, it's it's such a huge country economically now, number two in the world in terms of the global economy, uh, and it's just this vast, insatiable demand for everything to manufacture stuff that we can then buy. And yeah, you know, again, it's one of those things that's getting politicised out there, where people want to try and build and have local stuff, but everyone likes a deal when it's cheaper, especially when times are hard. So it's going to be hard to break that habit of you know going to Kmart and buying some something that's manufactured overseas that's cheap versus something that's you know three, four times the price manufactured locally. So that's one advantage that China continues to have. But um, yeah, its place in the world order, uh, I guess, is also, to an extent, it's at a pivotal point in terms of how it conducts itself from here on in, whether it is a global citizen from an emissions perspective, which at the moment is not really showing any sign of, or from a geopolitical aspirations perspective, with some of the tensions that we've seen in the South China Sea, you know the insistence that Taiwan is going to become part of China again, rather as Hong Kong has. Look, understand, Hong Kong and China are quite different. Hong Kong was only leased by the British government for 199 years; it had to be given back. But yeah, there are some similarities there, and it's going to be very interesting to see how, given its scale and dominance within the uh, the global economy, uh, that it conducts itself. Because you know, people prefer to be led than told what they're going to do.
1: That's right. It's a pretty big list when we look mm. at back at 2023. And yeah. I think you know, that pretty much covers most stuff that's happened economically and politically. If we change gears here, AB, and talk about some of our internal wins that we've had, first and foremost, you wrote a book mm. this year. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you very much. We developed an app, my Training advisor, mm-hmm. where our clients could easily view our recommendations and then
0: place orders through it. So those two projects, like they're, 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 they're enormous projects in their own right, and Huge. they're just in the in the sort of the dust that we've left behind this year. Yeah. And, and the book was an interesting one. I've been, you know, the guys have been on me for a while to do this, and this is the year. Uh, and part and parcel of it, it it's I guess it's gonna be a cornerstone of what our plan is for next year. Next year is my 25th year anniversary here in Australia. And, you know, Australia has been very good to me, um, no question about that. And it's a land of opportunity, no question about that either. And so as part of that give back program, one of the things that we wanted to do is to be able to help people, especially at the moment that are really struggling financially by providing a practical game plan that people could use. You know, it's something you could read in a week, not a month and something that has a support function that goes with it. So it's not just the book, but it's the learning portal that goes with it. So well, I guess what we're effectively doing is becoming um, life and financial planners and in the same way that we are in the trading space where we educate people how to trade, to do the same thing in the life and wealth planning space. So That's a really exciting project. February the 24th is the official launch date of that, and you'll no doubt be getting a, an invite to the launch party, which will be a heap of fun. The app, as you say, that's been a Crazy. revolutionary uh, and part of the reason for developing that, we're in an evolving world where spam filters, for example, uh, become more and more effective or less and less effective at what you want sometimes. And so our ability to communicate with our clients, you know we send out literally thousands and thousands of messages for a trade, either via email or SMS. Uh, that runs into that spam filter problem. And it may just be someone's inadvertently changed a setting on their phone and suddenly can't get stuff and um, people are missing out on trades. So by building that app, it means that everyone gets it in a really secure, deliverable format uh, and it brings back the easy trade function, three clicks and you're in a trade. So very, very pleased with that. And the feedback from our clients has been exceptional. Mm-hmm. I think the feedback from your team in terms of the cleanliness list of order uh, has been exceptional and sure. that's a win-win-win for all parties. So very, very happy to see that one across the line.
1: Indeed. One thing also that we are very proud of was our Advanced Options Bootcamp. We had over a hundred of our clients here for two full
0: days training with us live on the Gold Coast. Yeah. A cracking couple of days. It was a lot of fun and that's probably, I've been on the road a little bit this year so I've been doing some speaking which I do love doing, uh, you know, in a face-to-face context rather than talking to the, the green dot, I suppose. And actually seeing our clients come in uh, and having some time with them face face to face and seeing how they were together by their networking, they had a few drinks and met some of their peers and set up little groups and all the rest of it was was really really exciting to see. And I think you know that that to me was probably one of the more enjoyable high points of the year. Yes, there's an enormous amount of work. You know, Gillian and her team did a great job of making the mechanics of it work. And you and I got to stand on stage for a couple of days flapping our gums, which as Regular listeners, listen, there's no, we're reasonable at, um, but yeah, I think that was that was a that was a really enjoyable um, bit of time, and again, the feedback from the attendees was great. Bigger and better plans for that next year uh, to to boost the numbers and also to broaden the syllabus out. So, pretty excited about that for next year, as I was for seeing that one done this year, which was a ripper.
1: Indeed. Also as well, don't forget, we had our supervised strategy release. So T triple Q hold the strike and pairs income strategy. Mm. You mentioned we've got ALS coming next year, the Australian leaders Mm. strategy. Three amazing developments on
0: behalf of Gibbs and the research team here. Exactly right, and uh, hats off to them. I mean, they don't—they don't get the credit. They're not on this show. so you, you know they're, they're, they're sort of named on an email from time to time for some people. Uh, the reality is one of the biggest challenges that face people today is that they're busier than ever, and maybe they don't quite have the discipline to carve out that time, or, or maybe the trust in themselves to be able to trade on their own money either. And so, by having those strategies in play, they've got the ability to leverage off the team. Uh, they great regular income. Strategies uh, that work very, very well. One is m- a little more defensive than the other. So depending on your risk profile, you can choose your choose your pathway. It's going to work well for you. Uh, and, you know, and the success rate on it has been absolutely phenomenal. Clients are really happy with it, and it's a way that people can still continue to get that great regular income from the options market that we uh, we teach uh, in a way that doesn't require really anything other than completing a little bit of paperwork.
1: That's right. And last but not least, here we are at the conclusion of another season. So, congratulations. <laughs> every week on yeah. the week yeah. for four years now, we're heading into the next season. That's
0: crazy. Congratulations. Likewise. Great job, buddy. Great job. Uh, I think the the interesting thing, every week we, we sit down and try to share you know, something with people. Uh, and... Yeah, we've had some real blow-ups in terms of some really great content that have that, that's that's absolutely gone viral, and it's always nice when you see that happen. And there's other stuff that's perhaps you know a little bit more meat and potatoes and uh, and more of a grind. But we do endeavour to provide value every week. We've changed our studio up a little bit this year. I don't know what the powers that be have got organised uh, for us next year. A but, big so, one. Yeah, it'd be like you know a dressing room maybe with a, a perfect green screen, green screen. makeup. Yeah, look, speak for yourself. I mean, you know, I'm already using those. You've got to come than 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 me. In You the need office. it. Um, but. Yeah. Again, that consistency is key. And uh, one of the things that we spoke of earlier in this year, and I know it's something you absolutely live by as a personal value, is that whole notion of never breaking the chain. And this is just what habits and success are really all about in any endeavor. And I remember, you know, five, four and a half years ago before we launched this podcast, you know, a marketing team and creative team alike. like, just go fortnightly. Don't overdo it. You know, build into it, and it's like, nah, we're going weekly. Oh, you're never going to be able to keep up with that, and you, you'll miss a bit of time. And uh, and, and you've got if you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, you've got to be consistent. If you wanted two people that are probably more consistent yeah, than anybody else. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is something to be very proud of, and it's great to see uh, our follower number continue to increase. And, and to that end, and it's a big shout out to those people that download this podcast. Please, please share this podcast with people you know. Say, hey, check this out, have a listen to it, or see if there's any value in here for you, because the more people we can get to consume this information, the more people are gonna better set themselves financially free. Same thing when it comes to reviews and ratings. Give us a review and a rating. We ask for it every week, but please just take a minute or two to do that now, because again, from the way that the algorithms work and all this sort of stuff, um, the more reviews, ratings you have, the wider your, vo- your voice can become and people can get to consume. You know, what I trust is good quality information. We're not. We're, there's no spin on it. There's no every week we're pitching something. It's just like, here's a core set of skills that are going to hopefully help you get from where you are to where you want to be. And, you know, we're at the end of the year for us. And, you know, it's been a, it, I know we've talked about some of the highlights and some of the stuff. There's been so much more stuff going on, you know, behind the scenes with 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 what we do. And we just sort of present a little slither of that. The scariest thing for anybody listening to this material today the most scary thing you should be concerned with is being in the same position you are right now, at least financially, this time next year without making it change. That's terrifying because there's a year of opportunity that you've missed. And we've just gone through a year, we've talked about the Nasdaq being up you know, 40 plus percent, the S&P 20%. These are great returns. But they don't happen by accident. And, and I love it when I get my Friday night, had a couple of beers, let's troll someone online because my life's crap. They go, not possible, you can't do this. Oh, it's, all, it's all rigged, it's a casino, nobody wins. That's just simply not true. And I think the stats this year, you know, push that out more than ever. So please do share this with people. The more people that get on it, the better. And we want to help you, uh, whether it's through our book, The Wealth Playbook, whether it's through our weekly podcast, whether it's through our content in our socials, live your best life by learning how to take control of your financial future because we are moving, especially here in Australia, into some more challenging times. And it's never going to be more important than this year ahead to have your breakthrough year where you go, listen, I've got this. I've got a strategy in play. I've got it under control. I'm able to create more income. I'm able to look after my wealth. I'm able to reduce my risk. I'm able to have some clarity on what I want to achieve out of my life. I've got tools and processes to get there and maybe a bit of motivation every now and then just to put fuel in the tank. That's Beautiful. what this is all about.
1: Great stuff, A.B. Well, what a year it's been and, you know, some wise words of wisdom there. So thank you very much for the year, 2023,
0: done and dusted. Merry Christmas again and Merry Christmas to all of you, our listeners. really it, guys, and we look forward to hosting you in the new year. There you have it, guys. As we said, please do make sure you take a moment now to give us a review and a rating and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.